Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of You Make Me Sick. Uh, this week's episode, we will be talking about Legionella. Uh, more specifically, than Legionella pneumonia. There are two types of Legionella, essentially. There's a Legionella pneumonia, and there's also uh, a lesser, more less severe uh, illness called Pontiac fever, which is from the same bacteria. Uh, Legionella, kind of an interesting history. Uh, was really only recognized uh, from a bacteriological standpoint in 1976. So it was really only been around as a recognized pathogen, you know, for about you know a little less than 50 years now. Uh, thought to uh, have been around for a lot longer than that, but was just never isolated and identified until then. Uh, Pontiac fever. There were actually so you know supposed cases and outbreaks in 1967 is the earliest, but they've. Uh, as with Legionella, had just never identified the bacteria prior to this Legionella bacteria uh, being identified. So that's what we're going to be talking about on this episode. Not as deadly as a lot of the other pathogens I've talked about. I shouldn't say it's, it still has about a 10% mortality rate. Uh, and for hospitalized patients who get it, it's actually about a 25% mortality rate. But uh, has far less severe outcomes for people who aren't immunocompromised or younger people, usually see in older people and those who have pre-existing conditions. So you might ask yourself, why is it called Legionella? Uh, so it was actually, the first major outbreak in the United States was identified in 1960, no, 1976 in Philadelphia. Uh, it was at a Legionnaires convention uh, for the uh, American Legion. A uh, large group of people came down with this. Uh, they got really sick. Uh, pneumonias. They could not identify the source. They didn't know if it was viral or bacterial. Uh, there were actually some major publications that followed it. I saw some old magazine covers. I think it was from Time Magazine. They talked about this mystery pneumonia in Philadelphia. Uh, and it wasn't until the next year in 1977 where they actually identified and gave it a name. Uh, and we've known it ever since just as Legionnaire's disease. So as I stated before, uh, there's a couple of different types. There's the Legionnaire's disease, and that's, we'll primarily stick to talking about that, the Legionella pneumonia that you get. Uh, there's also a secondary form, that's the Pontiac fever. Uh, Pontiac fever, uh, much less severe, flu-like symptoms, of, you know, body aches, headache. Uh, nothing really, really, you know, maybe a little bit of a fever. Uh, but it's self-limiting. Most people don't need any kind of treatment with it. Heals on its own. Well, I shouldn't say heals, but it, you recover after a few days. Uh, on the contrary, with the Legionella pneumonia, a lot of people need to be hospitalized for it. And as I said, with that hospitalization, about 25% uh, of those who need hospitalization usually end up uh, dying from it. The Legionella, uh, it's a kind of a thin, gram-negative bacilli. Uh, they have uh, little filamentous forms on them called pili. These things essentially in cells, uh, they help with communication to other cells. They're also like the quote-unquote sex organ. Uh, and they also have a flagellum, so it's like a kind of single, almost like a tail that helps them move around. Known species uh, with Legionella pneumophilia being the uh, most common. And I think there's 14 different serological types of that one particular uh, Legionella bacteria. And that's the one that's most commonly identified with these types of pneumonias. Uh, there are others that are a little more rare, and it's a little harder to identify as well. Some of those actually need specific 
media cultures to actually be grown in the laboratory. And it's an issue with Legionella as well when trying to identify it. Uh, when they're doing, uh, kind of plating it up uh, in the laboratory, it can take up to seven days for Legionella to grow in these laboratory settings. Uh, it can be sped up a little bit with heat. Uh, Legionella loves warm, moist areas. Uh, it's interesting because it takes a very long time to grow in the lab, but uh, in nature it can actually grow and uh, spread really, really quickly depending on the conditions. Uh, loves warm water, uh, kind of warm, moist areas. So you might be asking, how do people get Legionella? Uh, so that was kind of one of the questions with this convention in Philadelphia, is how did so many people get this one disease? Uh, they were all in a room together, but uh, it just seemed odd. And it actually, they were able to trace it back to the HVAC system. So it uh, turns out that Legionella loves living uh, in kind of giant AC. And we're talking like industrial size hotels. Your home AC uh, doesn't use water. Uh, car ACs don't use water, so you don't see it uh, affecting people in that form. Uh, but in these giant uh, kind of industrial size or uh, huge buildings, hotels, uh, other places where they might have massive AC and HVAC units, uh, you'll see the Legionella actually grow. Uh, and it's spread through aerosol particles, so little droplets that are spread through. And these big AC units, even though we can't see them in the air, oftentimes uh, they're in there. Uh, they get spread around, and this is how uh, outbreaks can happen, is they affect multitudes of people because they can actually be reached fairly easy because they're coming through these giant ducts. So once exposed to some of these aerosolized or droplet particles that might have some of this Legionella in there, uh, they usually get into the respiratory system. Uh, one of the first lines of defense in the respiratory system are actually macrophages. So macrophages are these white blood cells that kind of help to... Eliminate foreign invaders, uh, part of your immune system, usually fairly effective uh, in people who are healthy. One of the crazy things about Legionella, though, is they're actually able to get inside these macrophages and use these macrophages as a host and wind up uh, replicating. Uh, they replicate to the point uh, where the macrophages eventually burst and more Legionella are spread out. Uh, and over, uh, you know, not a very long period of time, a couple of days, this process just continues and continues. Uh, it also affects what's called the complement system, which usually creates a cascade of other white blood cells, uh, other things called cytokines or complement factors that come in and try to clean up uh, possible threats to the body. In this case, it would be the lung. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, what happens is when these macrophages burst, all these other cells, they start to attack the lung lining, uh, and it ends up causing uh, severe inflammation. You end up having fluid leak into the lung tissue, the alveoli that are there. You don't have good oxygenation or ventilation. Gases aren't brought through, and this kind of what, uh, it's what causes this pneumonia. Uh, from that, if it isn't treated, it can actually spread to the bloodstream, uh, and this of the bloodstream becomes even more difficult to treat. This becomes even more of an issue depending on the age of the person who's been infected, as well as if they have any other kind of comorbidities. Uh, people who are immunocompromised, people with cancers, long-term steroid use, uh, people who have kidney disease, who have liver disease, these people are all very, very susceptible to these Legionella pneumonias once they actually have 
been exposed to the Legionella, uh, especially if they don't have prompt treatment uh, with antibiotics right away. Uh, so Legionella, interestingly enough, uh, it's only found in water. Um, so you can't really, there's been no cases uh, of anybody actually getting it from drinking water. You have to actually ingest the water into your respiratory tract. So theoretically, uh, you could be drinking water um, or a piece of ice, anything. And if you, are, you aspirate on that, it gets into the lungs then uh, you could end up with one of these Legionella pneumonias. I think there have been some cases where they've kind of traced it back to that. It's more rare, though. It's more from these uh, either aerosolized or droplet-based uh, systems, the HVAC systems. There have been car radiators, I guess, that, uh, I mean, typically use radiator fluid. Uh, older cars, newer cars, I don't even know if you can actually put regular water in. But there have been cases linked, and I don't know how long ago this was, to car radiators that people have used water in. Uh, Legionella lives in extremely hospitable environments as well. Uh, extreme heat. Uh, normally we treat water with chlorine. It can uh, survive that. It does a really good job. What's interesting is in nature, there are kind of amoebas. Uh, amoebas are actually considered nature's macrophages. Uh, and Legionellas actually, they use these amoebas in nature as a host. So long before, uh, you know, humans with our own immune systems and our own macrophages, uh, Legionella is probably living inside these amoebas, which have also, you know, internally hostile environments, which is why they're probably well suited uh, to evade our immune system, or at least macrophages, uh, which are the first lung line of defense as far as white blood cells go. I should also mention that... Uh, kind of misting devices. So there have been outbreaks that have been traced back to supermarket misting devices they have in their produce department, uh, as well as even people at home with uh, their own kind of uh, humidifiers. I think there have been cases linked to that as well, as well as nebulizers uh, that people will use who have respiratory issues. I mean, that's a direct route into your lung. So uh, I know that in the hospital setting, um, for any machines that uh, involve water where we're actually using any kind of humidification, uh, we always use sterile water for it, never tap water. There have also been cases that have been recognized, uh, the source recognized on uh, cruise ships as well as in hotels with their Whirlpool spas. So next time you're in a hot tub, just kind of uh, hopefully they've cleaned it. Uh, hopefully you're not sick, but you never know. Like I said, Legionella can live in really extreme environments. So next time you're in a hot tub, there's probably Legionella floating around. So try not to inhale any water, uh, especially if you're immunocompromised. There have also been cases of direct infection with surgical wounds. So if you have an open wound and you're using tap water on that, Legionella can actually enter the wound as well. Uh, that's something else that as a burn nurse, I saw a lot of, obviously, open wounds. Uh, we would always, if we were going to use any kind of tap water, it was always treated uh, with uh, chlorhexidine or some other kind of antiseptic. Um, but usually with our dressing changes, if we had to do anything soaked, uh, and to this day, most dressing changes, you'll use a sterile water or a normal saline. Uh, never a tap water, just because there's other funky bacteria in there too. Um, Pseudomonas is a really common one that maybe I'll get to that, you know, it's ubiquitous, it's everywhere, uh, especially uh, faucets and sinks. So that's another one that's pretty nasty. Uh, hospitals do see a lot of what we call nosocomial infections. These infections are infections that occur inside the hospital. 
typically if you're in the hospital you're probably sick to begin with uh, there's bacteria everywhere I think there's kind of a misconception that hospitals are clean and sterile environments it's the exact opposite they're nasty and disgusting uh, and that's kind of an issue with Legionella as well uh, a lot of these patients with Legionella uh, who are hospitalized there's a 25 percent mortality rate for hospitalized patients uh, who have Legionella uh, whether they got it in the hospital or not, but uh, hospitals have also been implicated in causing cases of Legionella due from the, not only the you know water contamination, but uh, most likely from their HVAC systems as well. Uh, it should also uh, kind of be stated that Legionella, because it does love uh, warm water, it uh, at least in the northern hemisphere we see more cases uh, like late summer, early fall. Uh, as compared to you know, in the winter time, that's also partially due, I would assume, to the use of air conditioning. Uh, not sure how it is southern hemisphere, but probably the opposite. They probably see more cases in the winter time uh, than in the summertime. So, as far as treatment goes, it is treatable, uh, and it's pretty successful. The treatments that we do have, we do have antibiotics for it. In the first cases in Philadelphia, this is where they actually were got pretty lucky uh, when they were treating it to begin with. It could have taken them a very long time to find successful treatment for it, but uh, relatively quickly they found the macrolide antibiotics, so uh, erythromycin I believe is what they used then, but there's also azithromycin worked really really well. Uh, today there are multiple antibiotics that are used. Uh, fluoroquinolones such as levofloxacin and moxifloxacin uh, as well as those macrolides and also uh, tetracyclines, so something like a doxycycline can be used as well to treat. Um, sometimes they'll do multiple antibiotics depending on the uh, kind of how sick the individual is. Uh, IV antibiotics, uh, especially in the hospital administered first, eventually they may be transitioned to oral therapy, but uh, you want to get those antibiotics as quickly as possible, so the intravenous route is definitely preferred. Uh, there's also another antibiotic called uh, rifampin that's sometimes added on uh, for seriously ill patients when they're having a tough time treating it. Uh, my personal experience when somebody is really, really sick with Legionella, when they get to the point where they have to be uh, intubated, so with a breathing tube, they usually need multiple blood pressure medicines because they become septic or a bloodstream infection. Uh, and I've seen, I think, three really bad cases of it. Uh, all three of them have eventually died. There was one gentleman who initially made it out but then came back and don't know if the second time he came back to us, supposedly his, uh, his Legionella infection had been cleared, uh, his white blood cell count went down, but then it went back up. So, uh, and I'm not sure exactly if they were still contributing uh, his cause of death to his Legionella or if it was secondary. I know he was going to have an autopsy, but I have no idea the results of that. Uh, but the other two cases that I saw um, were definitely, it was the Legionella, uh, no matter how hard and aggressively we treated it. Um, both of these people did have comorbidities. They were older. Uh, I think one woman had had COVID, you know, maybe a month or two prior. So her lungs, uh, you know, at baseline probably weren't great anyway. And you throw a, a Legionella pneumonia on top of that uh, and pretty deadly, pretty hard to treat. Uh the numbers for Legionella, as far as trying to figure out uh, how many cases per year there are, uh, 
the United States, Europe, and Australia, I was uh, really the only ones I could find definitive data for. Uh, it seems like everywhere else it's underdiagnosed. I think it's probably, uh, they probably don't test for it everywhere as well. Uh, because of the fact that only in the severe cases there's death, a lot of times, uh, especially with the Pontiac fever, it's self-limiting. I don't think data is collected that well. So the data that I received or that I was able to find, at least for the United States, for Europe, and for Australia, so that's about a billion people right there. Uh, it's about 15 cases per million. Uh, I did read, uh, some experts believe it could be up to 50 cases per million just because of the fact that it is underdiagnosed and uh, people don't always get treated for it. Uh, it can resolve on its own. Uh, obviously, the more severe infections and pneumonias don't, but uh, other cases that just aren't as severe, uh, people sometimes don't even seek treatment for. Um, so it's actually based on those numbers that uh, we'll be doing our death count on today. So we'll take uh, one billion people, that's Europe, the United States, Australia. Uh, we'll go the upper end of what they estimate too. So we could do the 15 out of 1 million people, but I kind of think let's do the 50 50 out of 1 million that uh, experts probably think that is more accurate as far as people who actually get Legionella. Uh, so 50 out of a million, that's uh, out of a billion people, we get about 50,000 cases per year um, with an overall mortality rate of 10%. Uh, it's 5,000 deaths per year contributed to Legionella pneumonia. And if we go back... Uh, you know, they, the first, so they think 1950 may have been the first possibly identified sample that they received, even though it wasn't technically identified until 1976. So I'm going to go all the way back to 1950 here. We could theoretically go back much, much further. This bacteria has been around for a long time. But uh, we didn't always have giant HVAC systems uh, or other aerosolizing uh, man-made inventions. So I'm just going to go back 72 years for this one. So we got... 5,000 deaths at 72 years, uh, that gives us uh, 360,000 total deaths overall. So not a huge number, uh, but uh, we'll run with it. Uh, like I said, probably a lot more than that, just because this has probably been around for a very long time, but uh, only recently identified. So, if we take these 360,000 bodies, we stack them head to toe with an average height of about 5 foot 5 inches, we get... Uh, 1.95 million feet uh, that equals uh, 369 miles so if we want to reach the moon to this uh, the moon is 238,900 miles away we'd actually only get about uh, 0.0015% of the way to the moon so uh, not very far at all uh, Empire State Buildings though uh, Empire State Building uh, height of uh, 1454 feet uh, so if we uh, were to stack all these bodies, these 360,000 bodies head to toe, uh, we could actually reach uh, the height of the Empire State Building's uh, 1,341 times over. And lastly, uh, if we tried to wrap the circumference of the Earth, so the Earth, it's uh, 24,901 miles in circumference, uh, we'd actually make it about 0.015% uh, of the distance around the earth. Fire engine. So, <laughs> not a huge total, not the biggest total that we've had. Uh, 
Legionella, not a long episode either, uh, shorter, uh, but once again, it's a relatively uh, new microorganism compared to a lot of the other ones we've talked to, talked to, yeah, talked about. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, not as much to, information to really give you, but it is one that's relatively unique, uh, the fact of where it's found, you know, next time you turn on, well, I guess your home AC wouldn't matter, uh, even uh, Central Air, I don't think, uh, runs like that's still on Freon. Uh, but next time you're in a giant hotel or uh, in a hot tub or somewhere else where there's could be uh, really warm water that's kind of stagnant, it's probably Legionella kicking around there. So uh, try not to suck any in uh, into your lungs. Uh, and if you do and you start to feel sick, uh, can definitely be suspected. Oh, one more thing. I, yeah, I totally forgot. Uh, so in the hospital, when patients come into us uh, and they have a suspected pneumonia, uh, or any kind of respiratory issue, we will actually do urine testing. So you can test uh, for Legionella in the urine, uh, and if it's positive, uh, there's a good chance they have, obviously, Legionella. It might not necessarily be the Legionella pneumonia or uh, the pneumophila, but uh, we test for uh, Legionella in urine, which is actually it's a much cheaper way to do it and less invasive. Uh, with the Legionella, uh, it's a lot. sometimes it's difficult uh, to get a sputum sample because there's not a lot... Uh, of sputum secreted with uh, Legionella pneumonias. Uh, so urine will often, uh, and it's quick and easy, uh, give us a, a pretty good heads up for it. But uh, just something completely off cuff. But I thought I'd mention it. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening again. Uh, thank all my fans worldwide that I have. I don't know if you're bots or actual people. Uh, but uh, thanks for listening. Sorry it's been a while. Um, I should, uh, it should be probably just a couple more weeks before I throw another episode out there. Still not sure what I'm going to do next. Um, I kind of, I like the rare pathogens and microorganisms. I like the ones that uh, people really haven't heard a lot about, but they're oftentimes just not as interesting. So I'll probably do something that uh, is uh, more well-known, maybe a malaria, uh, something that uh, is still really deadly and still a problem today uh, on the earth. Um, I'll also, I, I didn't give a monkeypox update at the beginning of this. I can give a quick one right now. Monkeypox is still an issue out there right now. Um, as of the latest data that I could find from the CDC, there's a 460 cases now in the U.S. Uh, worldwide, there's a 5,783 cases. So it's still being spread out there. Uh, once again, they put out uh, guidelines for people who think they may have been uh, exposed to it. Uh, still seeing it a lot in kind of the uh, MSM, the men who sleep with men population. Uh, so trying to really get the message out there just to try and stay safe. So uh, monkeypox lives on. Uh, it'll probably be out there for a while. Once again, monkeypox, though, uh, nothing to really be worried about. Uh, it's very, very low mortality, and I don't think there have been any deaths associated with this outbreak, even though uh, the outbreak uh, is still rocking and rolling. So, anyway, uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, any feedback, uh, you can reach me at youmakemesickpod at gmail.com. Always open to suggestions, uh, feedback, any kind of critique. So, uh, take it easy and uh, don't forget to wash your hands. Make a